0: Welcome to the Humans of Triathlon Podcast. Hello, humans of triathlon. Welcome back for another episode of the Humans of Triathlon podcast, where we believe that the stories and journeys that come from the sport of triathlon and its humans are really something special, each in its own way. And we aim to bring these amazing journeys of ordinary people with extraordinary passion out for the world to hear, to not only celebrate the sport and its people, but also inspire more people to get involved in the sport, because it really is a life changer. I'm Swapnil Chauhan here with my co host Robin and Charles should be joining us in a bit. um, And another amazing guest.
1: So, today's guest is a veteran of the sport of triathlon, doing his first race uh, in 1986 and racing at all distances in the sport, including qualifying and racing at the Ironman World Championships in Kona three years ago. He's known on Instagram for his mile wide smile, uh, his CrossFit moves, his handstands, and his inspirational selfies equally comfortable in a Speedo or a rocking a three-piece suit, please welcome Dan Cadrill, or as he is known on Instagram, try man Dan.
2: Hi, Dan. Hi, guys. Thank you for having Hi, me. Hi, Dan. great. <laughs> Hi. That was a great intro. I appreciate that.
1: <laughs> oh, you're a pretty amazing guy.
2: Well, you were know, you? Um, I still take out the garbage and, and my kids are still <laughs> kind of rolling their eyes at me, but I appreciate that very much.
0: <laughs> yeah, we're really glad to have you on. Um, so what are you up to right now? Where are you at?
2: Well, I'm actually en route. Um, I had, uh, I have a triathlon tomorrow here in, in, uh, Tempe, Arizona, home of the Ironman triathlon. We, uh, are fortunate enough to have a pretty great body of water. Um, the Tempe town Lake where all of the Ironman races are done, both 70.3 and, and the full Ironman. And there's an Olympic race tomorrow and a sprint race in the venue, um, called the Cactus Man. Uh, for lack of a better name, we're real original here in the desert. But Cactus Man is a local race put on by a local race director, Jeremy Graham, with Four Peaks Racing. And um, I'm happy to support that. Uh, today was packet pickup. The race is tomorrow morning, Sunday. And um, I also helped uh, organize and promote and um, facilitate a transitional clinic for first time triathletes that lasted about 40 minutes just a half hour ago um, to give pointers and tips to uh, newbies into the sport, and I've done that along with my teammates on my tri-club one multi-sport for many, many years, so I literally just left that, and it's 100 degrees Fahrenheit here in in Phoenix this afternoon already, so
1: holy was,
2: uh, yeah, yeah, we already hit 100 this weekend, so it's, uh, luckily the race is at 6.30 in the morning tomorrow. It'll be warm, but it won't be 100 by the time we finish, hopefully. Yeah,
1: that, that would make for one hot race for sure.
2: Yes.
0: You said hundred degrees Fahrenheit. I'm like, what's that in Celsius? <laughs> is it thirty
1: something? I, I had to say Fahrenheit. Like
0: 30, is that thirties? I guess. Yep. Yeah, that is hot.
1: It's hot. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Now uh, we always so we always like to start off with a bit of an insight into the person's childhood and how they grew up and such. So it would be great if you could take us back a few years and tell us what your childhood and teenage years were like, and you know what were you an active person? What, what was that like?
2: I um, was not. I, in fact, it's very interesting that I get at my age now being uh, 55 this year and in, in a new age group, 55, 59, I'm really excited about. I always say triathlon's the only sport you can't wait to get older in, but um, I'm one of those. I was ecstatic to age up finally again. Uh, but as a child, um, I have to admit, honestly, that I was not athletic. I, I did not enjoy, never got picked. Didn't have um, I was a latchkey kid for most of my childhood with both parents working full time um, and loved them. uh, But I I was the youngest of three children um, by a long shot. Uh, My siblings are 10 and 13 years older than me, already eligible for Medicare here in the United States. And I'm not yet that 10 years (laughs) younger, but I grew up alone really a lot of my own and um, kind of afraid of my own shadow a hefty little kid, and I wouldn't say I was obese, but I was definitely husky and just watched a lot of television and ate a lot of food, and um, the television was my best friend. I didn't go out for organized sports at all as a kid, never did Little League or anything like that. Uh, Growing up, I I did grow up fast, and I was one of the tallest kids in my middle school by the end of uh, junior high, and so I, I discovered football. Um, I also was uh, in the hospital a lot as a child, in and out of the hospital. I haven't shared this a whole lot with many people, but I was born with the deform- deformity of my ear and inner ear workings and um, spent a lot of years in the hospital under the plastic surgeon's knife trying to see if they could reconstruct some some of that, that right ear for me, which was unsuccessful, but it was uh, pretty painful and, and and very traumatic to me as a child to go through all those surgeries probably had over nine surgeries between the ages of seven and 11 to try to reconstruct. And it was very, it was very horrible, quite frankly. So all those things played into a a childhood that normally would not ever (laughs) be the profile of an age group uh, athlete or, or or someone that would be interested in a sport like triathlon by high school though, personality kind of set in. I, um, wasn't so concerned about my ears' presence. It was the uh, '70s and the '80s, and uh, Peter Brady and the Brady Bunch all had big hair and it covered your ears, <laughs> and it didn't seem to matter to people very much. Um, I had a kind of a of a pro, and um, and I also found that I was pretty decent at football, and I wasn't very coordinated, so I kind of excelled as one of the bigger kids in my class. I I went to the line and played offensive line, defensive line, and by high school by senior year, even though I probably didn't weigh more than 185 pounds, I ended up as an all-state center in football my senior year with no aspirations of playing in college. Um, I was not not big enough or desired to do that, but um, I didn't run. I didn't do anything that was aerobic. In fact, I used to tease people and say I was actually afraid of running. I didn't like running out of the huddle, let alone running around the track. So um, I did not have that background of high school cross country or swimming or of course cycling or anything like that. Um, however, I, I knew I had a lot of strength in my legs. I just didn't ever consider that this would be my outcome.
0: Yeah. I did not expect, I, I, I did not expect that. That's amazing.
1: That's great. I, I just, I have to tell you, I'm so excited to have you on the show because you and I started in triathlon in the same year. Um, So 86, oh, wow. right? Um, I'm, I'm hoping okay. I got that year right. Yep. And and I know it was so very different back then. I think a lot of triathletes now would just kind of be shocked if they went back and saw one of the races. Um, so why don't you talk a bit about your first triathlon experience, how you got there and, and what it was like?
2: Sure. So it was after college graduation. I had done a couple of 10Ks during college. Our college actually had a 10K cougar run. That was our mascot in college. And I remember doing that and not you know probably finishing within an hour maybe um but my roommates were athletic i had a good i had a couple of buddies that were very close to me that i roomed during college and after college with one one was a college runner and we started running together in college and he was really supportive even though i really didn't have a background in it he was you know he was a typical greyhound cross-country looking guy but he was a great friend um and the other buddy Troy. That was Paul. But Troy was my roommate in college and then post-college after we graduated. And Troy was one of those guys. He was all of probably five foot nine. But he was one of those guys who was just a natural jock, good at everything he tried, baseball, football, wrestling, bodybuilding, whatever he wanted to do. He seemed to like do well at, even though he didn't seem to have to work really hard at it. But he wasn't a jerk about it. He was a great guy. He was my friend. So one day he came home from work. He was a teacher. And uh, he said, I'm going to I signed up for a triathlon uh, in San Dimas, California. We lived in L.A. And um, and I remember thinking the only thing I really knew about was the Ironman on ABC television back then. I'm like, you're doing an Ironman goes, no, there's other distances of triathlon. And so I went and watched him do an Olympic race like what I'm going to do tomorrow. And I watched him do it. And, you know, I'm going to have to send you guys a picture. Um, I have a picture of me standing next to him. Um, at that race after he finished and um, it's one of those transformation Tuesday Mm -hmm. kind of things you'll be shocked I I, you won't even recognize me but I showed up and I started to see that a lot of ordinary normal people were in this race it wasn't all greyhounds or you know built people and um, I was like that'd be kind of fun if I could figure out how to swim and if I had a bike I know how to run and long long story short um, Troy bought a bike Probably for a couple hundred bucks, he gave me his old wrecked up bike, and we started training for with each other. And neither of us were dating anybody, and neither of us had any money. So all we did was train and go to city swim swimming pool triathlons throughout all of uh, Los Angeles and San Diego, where he was originally from. And we just caught the bug. And it's funny you should say, uh, Robin, about those early years. I remember doing ocean water swims in San Diego when you got out of the water, they gave you a popsicle stick with a number on it. You know. In, you know, there was no computers. I mean, they didn't have computerized stats or anything. And then you'd have to turn in that popsicle stick at the end um, before you got on the bike. And that would tell your place. And then they give you a popsicle stick at the end of the bike. And that would tell you how you placed after the bike until the run was done. And then they would tear off your uh, bid number for the <laughs> run. I mean, it's just amazing how things have changed. I also remember that Troy and I once went to a, a race. Um And we noticed everyone carrying basins basins to the transition area, but we were too embarrassed to ask what the ba- the basins were for. Plastic basins, yeah, right? Like Rubber made, you know. And and so we bought one. We bought them. We didn't know what to do with them. <laughs> better have said, one. If you're going to be a triathlete, you now, You have to have a water basin. And we figured out it was to you know to rinse your feet off from the from the sand coming out of the water. But we didn't have anything but triathlon magazine, uh, triathlete magazine. Maybe there was no websites. There was no internet and uh there were books uh but not many and we didn't buy them and so um i remember going to the library to look up a book maybe about how to train for a triathlon it was just pretty hilarious compared to the things we have now and i always tell troy we we reconnected a couple of years back in pasadena california he now owns a bar in past downtown pasadena and he was in my wedding he 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 hadn't married but um and he thinks i'm nuts He's <laughs> still I doing it that. i'm still doing this 32 years later I'm still doing he, I always tell him that he quit after I finally beat him and I beat him in a race one time and I always swear that he never did it again because of that, but I don't think that's the truth. But I always hold that over him.
1: Yeah, I, I one uh, thing I was remembering is that the the guys on the course would be like the local ham radio club and they'd be they'd be radio on their ham radios oh, and wow. say, Here comes number thirty two, number thirty <laughs> two It's pretty low yep. tech.
2: Yep. It's really the reason that they had body marking. I mean, when you think about it, there's really no need except for for historical and for traditional purposes to body marketing, one well, more because everything's computerized. But the we the chips, photographers, I think, do is, it, is I think, is the main reason now. Right, right. Yeah, you're... Really, there's only reason is photography. And to yeah. look
1: cool afterwards, you know, to have something to explain to people in right. the line at uh,
2: Starbucks. <laughs> exactly, exactly.
0: Yeah, it's interesting how you uh you said that you weren't able to get into football or you didn't have aspirations to become a, you know, play, play in college was because you weren't big enough. So it's, it's amazing how in triathlon, like you said, that the people of all kinds of body types and such. So how, what, what has your progression been like, um, throughout these years, like physically?
2: Um, it's been quite amazing. I, I have to admit, I, um, So I got to categorize it a little bit. The years after 86 to maybe 90, because I got married in 90, were pretty much just trial and error, never any podium, just kind of participating and being really comfortable in my skin, participating. Um, Ironman was picking up some distance, some some traction, I should say. But really, there was a lot of emphasis on a lot of Olympic style racing in the 90s. Um, There was a lot of race series in the 90s like the Nats N-A-T-S series out of San Diego, Tempe, Phoenix. There was a lot of great races, but Ironman was still going on, but it didn't seem to have um, the buzz it did in the in the late 90s into the 2000s, at least not personally for me. So those years were just kind of as a participant. I don't think I really took it too seriously. You have to also remember I was starting a new family. I was also in my career um, that I never gave up the sport, but it – it um it, it definitely wasn't something that I aspired that I could ever be a podium type of age group, not even an age grouper. I never had any um, any desires to maybe be professional or anything like that at that younger age. But um, I was still finding my way. And I guess that's one of the lessons I would would stress to anyone listening is that you just have to ebb and flow and find your place. It doesn't have to always be for the number one spot. It doesn't have to be. Uh, it could just be the finish. But for me, um, I was extremely afraid to even consider the Ironman distance as a young father and as a young husband. And, and maybe it wasn't even realistic that I had put that race on a podium. I remember telling um, a, a friend of mine who I raced with locally in Phoenix when we moved to, to Phoenix in 92, um, was trying to convince me to sign up for Quarter Lane, Idaho Ironman in, in 04 or 03, because he had done it multiple times and I just wouldn't do it. And he says, Dan, you have the ability. Um, You're just putting that race way too high on a pedestal. And he was right, but I had to do it on my own time. And then lo and behold, I started to do better in the Olympic distance by the late 90s and into the 2000s as I was getting older. But then also technology was getting better. I was making a little bit more money. Um, I had a nicer bike, you know, things like that that were just kind of falling into place. But it really, I have to admit, I think a life changing thing for me was, when Arizona announced having their first Ironman race in 2005, um, with it being in my backyard and saying no to an Ironman distance and chickening out, quite frankly, in 03 and 04, when it finally was in my own backyard in Tempe, Arizona, I couldn't help but get the you know get the okay from my wife and my kids and and decided to sign up. And the training for that hit a nerve for me, and the idea of, of actually competing that race was so astoundingly fulfilling and it was just so fulfilling that I can't even describe it as I mentor. I don't coach, but as I mentor other triathletes that are training for Ironman, even to this day, I always tell them my, my favorite finish, even though I've done Kona, my best finish, my favorite finish ever was that first Arizona race. And I'll have to send you guys a couple of pictures of those two of my three boys. Then only, uh, you know, eight, five and I'm sorry, eight ten and five is pretty amazing because back then you could run with your children through the finish line. You yeah, can't do that anymore. Yeah. I feel lucky I got um, to go with my and kids. It's, it's still one of my favorite memories. For sure. Yep. And so my body changed after Ironman training. Now, now I, I've, I've done six Ironmans, including Kona. It's not my, um, I still have to say that my job is very demanding. Um, and there's still a lot of family ties, even though my two of my sons are now in their mid twenties. And I only have one now that's almost going to be 18 at home. I work as a account vice president for mm-hmm. uh, in the healthcare industry, and I work in group group benefits um, on the public sector side, and um, and I'm a client manager. So uh, my job is uh, to work on government business and try to keep what we have. I renew our business, and I specialize in retiree benefits for state retirees in in multiple states.
1: So that's where the three piece suits come in. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I have <laughs> to dress up once in a while. You know, a lot of it's virtual. Once in a while, I have a face to face, and um, I just want to prove on Instagram that I. No, actually I like I like so your well.
1: suit day posts. Those are good.
2: Thanks. So as I was saying, um that my body once I got into Ironman training, though, even though I was doing all distances, I have to admit that really hit a nerve. I found that I really was an endurance machine, and that um, I tended to be in the pack on the swims, bike to be competitive, and run to the podium. And that's sort of my progression. I became a pretty decent runner in the 2000s, in my 40s, and I try to hold on to that being pretty injury-free and um, and keeping, um, I don't know, like most people that are trying to stay fit, um, once you have a, a body that um, that you think is fit and lean and mean and 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 responsive, you just don't really want to get let right. go of it, you know?
1: So, so talk a little bit, I, I think what you said there about being injury-free, you know, that is the thing that really plagues a lot of triathletes, and I know you do crossfit. I, I love your, your your squat pictures, your handstand pictures. to mm-hmm. so talk a little bit about about how that keeps you you know more well-rounded and, and possibly contributes to that injury-free status.
2: Sure. I, I think my first podium in, in in 70.3 was in St. George when I turned 50, so that's been five years ago. and I go to St. George again um, this next weekend to compete in the 75 70.3 again as a 55 year old this year, and I was waiting for the awards and that particular year, I think they might've gone older to younger. I'm not positive. Or I might've had a teammate that was older. So I waited around after my award and was watching and knowing that that was my 50th birthday. I mean, that's a milestone birthday. And I looked reflected back on my career and realized it might've been a benefit that I wasn't a cross country runner in high school or college, because a lot of guys who are in my age group that were college athletes in the endurance sports like cycling, especially running um, are plagued with a lot of injuries. Um, And that's a lot of use. I mean, they've ran a lot longer than I have in in retrospect. Right. But I also noticed, I also noticed that as the age groupers got into the fifties and sixties, and mostly the fifties and sixties, I just admire the seventies for multiple reasons, no matter what they look like. But I started to see a body composition changing and noticing that um, a lot of muscle mass was leaving their bodies. And I also noticed they were getting wider in the middle. And I realized, I mean, it's just a, it's just a reflection of an aging man. That's fine. But I went to, went to lunch after the award ceremonies with two of my buddies who are local athletes, both Kona boys too, both uh, have been to Kona World Championship as age groupers. And I, I trust their judgment. I asked them a simple question. I asked them, what's going to keep me competitive into my 50s and 60s now that I'm turning 50 this year and they said they said they said the funniest answer they said keep your waist small and your and your legs and butt big and I thought that was a funny thing to say because that's not what I was seeing in those triathletes and so that's when um I started investigating about weight weight training and the timing was a little perfect where CrossFit the wave was really taking off oh just taking off and I watched the games, and I was so impressed by their strength and their endurance and their gymnastics, all those things. And so, just with a little bit of, of investigation, I realized that Olympic lifting would improve uh, my my fast twitch muscle fibers, which I don't have normally, and improve my uh, stamina and also my strength, and maybe keep my muscle mass um, beyond my normal age. And since, um, and it didn't come. Robin, it didn't come without its setbacks. I mean, I'm a pretty Type A person, and I remember, you know, pull ups, CrossFit is a great and sport, <laughs> and, and cleans. I, yeah, yeah. But it also, you if hurt. you're not careful and you're not smart, you can overdo it. You can get hurt. And I did. I did end up with a little bit of a shoulder injury in '16, the year after Kona, and it took me about nine months really to recover for it. That was the only year in the last ten or at least that last eight years that I didn't even make all American status with USAT because I wasn't able to race for about half the year. My shoulder hurts so bad. It got better. It wasn't surgery related. It wasn't, it wasn't uh chronic. It was just, you know, tendinitis, but it now I I've, I've revamped. I refocused. I said, I'm not going to be the hardcore guy um, that has to lift the most or the fastest. I want to do things right. If I have to scale, if it has to be lower weight to do a, a clean I'll do it because I want the benefits I just don't necessarily want to put my body at risk so I think it's it's a combination of being smart putting together that recovery time that's needed and then also just not being the hero and putting your ego leaving your ego at the door Yeah, I think that's so, a great insight for anyone
1: yeah talk a little bit about recovery because you know as as we get older as triathletes are are aging up recovery becomes increasingly like the fourth sport
2: yeah, I really hate it, that it is true. Um, I I tell people all the time that I don't act or maybe look my age, but I will tell them if they were to see me get out of bed every morning, and I'm talking every morning, um, I, would, I would look my age. My wife will laugh at me sometimes if we sit at a restaurant too long, how slow it takes me to get up. Um, being uh, immobile is extremely bad for me. I need to keep moving. But the example I use, I remember there was a time about 15 years ago here in Arizona and Phoenix, when we lived in Glendale, that I had a running group every Thursday morning or Tuesday morning. I can't remember when, maybe it was twice a week. We would run from the parking lot of a country club at 5.30 a.m. And I remember that so well because I remember it that I could wake up at 5 and be there ready to run at 5.30. I can <laughs> promise you today, 15 years later, maybe even 10 years later, if, if I have a 5.30 be somewhere run time with somebody or whatever, I at least have to wake up by 4.30 um, ahead of time, stretch, have coffee, go to the bathroom, you know, just get my brain working, (laughs) check my phone, (laughs) whatever it might be. It's just so, it's just so adamant that um, I have to do those things where I didn't need that in the, in the, you know, I didn't need that 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Um, It's completely different now. And I have to be conscious of that. I don't mind it, I don't really want people to see me in the morning like that, but it does get, I get over it and it's just part of that body cycling. Um, The other thing I'm realizing too is I I train with a lot of younger guys. It's just always been the way it's worked and I like that. It keeps me really, really feels young, but um, you know, you know, do, can I still run a three hour marathon? I think I could, but do I really want to put my body through that every, every year to try to have that goal or do I take an assessment? of my age, even though I don't want to use that as an excuse and just make sure that I'm taking care of myself. I, I always, I've always had coaches in the past that never wanted me to use age as an excuse. They said, we're taking that off the table. We're taking your weight and your age off the table. Don't bring those things up because they're not relevant to how we're programming things for you. So stop saying it because if you start sneaking that in, we're going to start thinking you're trying to make excuses, you know? So yeah, it works both ways. Talk
0: to us a little bit about your diet and nutrition. Do you, where does that, how does that play a part?
2: I am conscious of what I eat. I think it becomes an ev- never ending uh, process. It's, it's never um, set in stone. Um, I cannot say that I'm v- vegan. I'm not, I'm not paleo. Uh, nothing's a hundred percent in my life at this point, but I can't ever. I can tell you that I never go into any meal without thinking of its benefits and its um, opportunity to make me healthier, or what it could do to me to break me down if it's not healthy. I'm not a big fan of red meat, but that's not anything to do with um, being a vegan or a vegetarian. It's just that my body processes chicken and fish and turkey a lot better. So if those options are available, I will always choose them. I love meat proteins and and I I do well with them. I just sometimes Hardly ever really find digesting red meat works well for me. I do have my vices. They're two simple vices. I love French fries and I like may- mayonnaise. <laughs> together or separately. <laughs> and so um, luckily they don't. Well, actually, I love mayonnaise with ketchup mixed together. My wife introduced me to that mixture. Um, but I don't, I my, my opportunity for that is it's a treat and it, it won't be ordered. I don't really do fast food. Um, we have the Chipotle chain here, which is, you know, rice bowls and things like that. So there's always alternatives. Even my traveling, um, if, if I'm on a business trip or anything, it's funny how the reputation, you know, precedes me. And if we go out to a restaurant, they're going, oh, Dan will eat something healthy. What's he <laughs> ordering? The salmon or something, not the appetizer or the nachos or something. And it just, it, it kind of follows your lifestyle, but it's not rigid. I would say my normal work day on a normal training day would be, I I work out AM, whether it's a bike or a run, fasted, from the night before except for coffee and then after that i will do a shake a protein style shake with one of my um ingredients including peanut butter banana and 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 a protein powder and that will last me all morning uh, i i get hungry around 2 p.m not at lunchtime because i do train at noon i usually swim or weight train at noon which is um not going to be time to eat but i'm not usually hungry after that but i do a snack of some type usually nuts vegetables or maybe even uh, one of my secret weapons is a McDonald's hamburger, but with one bun taken off and um, and a hydration of some type of water or hydration drink and then a sensible dinner at night. So it's not really that scientific. It's just kind of works for me. And if people are really focused on weight loss, I always go back to the common denominator. Know what your daily intake is and hopefully you're burning more than you're putting in if you're trying to lose weight. If you're not, it's not going to really happen. It's <laughs> that simple.
1: So I, one thing I've just noticed, uh, you know, following you on Instagram is that, is that family is is really a big part of your life. Um, so why don't you talk a little bit about how you fit the triathlon around family, how your family supports you? What are the challenges?
2: Yeah. And this is something I would always want your listeners to leave them with is that podiums fade. Medals are in a box in the attic. But your family is forever. And so I realized that, and there's, and there's been mistakes made around along the way. I have to admit, after '5 Ironman, that first one, I, I would say that I caught the bug and that I was extremely um, wanting to see um, if I could improve and if I could, um, you know, maybe even consider an option of getting good enough to make it as an age grouper to Hawaii. All those things entered my mind, and my sons were young. And, um, it was difficult. And I will tell you transparently that there was a lot of things I did wrong. And there was a, there was definitely a very long period of time where my wife was, um, extremely jealous of triathlon because, um, I was making choices of training that were not in the best interest of the family. And I had to, um, work through those and realize that that wasn't really as important and, and it could become addictive by nature. And I know there's listeners out there that can relate to that. Um, but through communication and reevalu, but reevaluating my situation, and a lot of it was really inwardly looking to realize my worth isn't based on whether I was first, second, or third. My worth is is how I am, a, you know, a husband, father, and and um, family member in those situations that are going to last. I think it is easier when your your children are older. I I didn't have children that really were into the sport. I had my oldest was a was a runner my other two boys were football players and and don't really have an interest in the sport they all uh love supporting me and and come to races as they can but it's not you know something that i drag them to uh or could drag them to anymore ironically though they all made it to hawaii you know for some (laughs) reason those three boys found the time to make it to hawaii but i was hoping for that and actually that was um one of the best trips of our lives um one week in kona one week in maui and i i I actually have more memories of post race than I even do of race day, uh, because of our family time on that trip, which was, uh, something I will never forget. But I think it's a priority, um, to keep things in, in perspective. If you, um, I don't, I didn't want to be that parent and I'm not slamming people that do this. I didn't want to be that parent on the side of a soccer field <laughs> on a bike trainer, you know, take it home, you know, you don't, don't be that guy. And I remember watching one of the Ironman shows and there was a mom. And my son's looked at me and goes, if you ever do that, <laughs> we will disown you. And, you know, things like that, you know. So, I mean, th- there's limits. And I think I've come full circle to realize I want to race for fun if I'm still good at what I do and I still do it. And it's fulfilling for the right reasons. And if I feel like my family is proud of me for the right reasons, and not resentful for it, then I'm doing it the right way. But I think it takes um, a lot of checking in with your spouse and with your children to make sure they're OK with everything. Because they have feelings and attitudes about these things that if you don't ask, you cannot assume they they get it. And if you're thinking of an Ironman for the first time or again, if you've had static regarding the family, do not sign up for one without having a family meeting and and saying, "Are you guys okay with this decision?" Because if you make it in a vacuum and if you make it on your own, um, you may end up paying more consequences for for the time away than you really get. Yeah, it
1: from. really is like kind of having a second halftime job when you it on top of uh, a 40 hour week. Yep. So right. that's some great,
2: great advice. I have not arrived. Believe me, I, I have not arrived, but um, I am looking forward to the empty nest syndrome. Uh, my wife doesn't, she's not real big on vacations or surrounding races, um, even though we've had some good ones. She is going with me for the first time to St. George. It's usually been a guy's trip, but this year she's going with me with another couple. And I think we're, she just wants to see that that great little town here in in, uh, over in utah and you know vegas is on the way and on the way back so we have we're going to do that but you know we're thinking you know we will possibly go back and forth we'll do some things vacations when the boys are all gone that are really focused on just time away from racing but she's open to also going to race we had a great trip together as a couple in chattanooga last year at the 70.3 world championships that were here in the u.s we had never been in that part of the south we had great, great. We stayed an extra five, ten, five days after the race, and that meant a lot to her because it wasn't all right. about just the race, yeah. you
0: know. So you mentioned Kona. How? You, so you? I think I read that you qualified for Kona in Arizona in 2014, right? And you hadn't. That's correct. Yeah, yeah November 14th. Yeah, for like three years before that. So what was the what was right. the reason for that break? Was I gotta like think here. Something physical, or were you just not motivated enough to do an Ironman? What was
2: that like? The Ironman prior to 14 that I had done was in 11 mm-hmm. in Coeur and I had done 09 in Arizona and I had done seven in Coeur d'Alene. So I'm trying to remember my history. But 11 was one of those meetings of the minds. And um, I had a decent race, but we were also realizing that we really needed to focus not only on our marriage, but on our child and, you know, my youngest son and making sure that he was healthy and well. And it was one of those times that I just previously talked about that I was rolling about doing an Ironman at least every other year, no questions asked, uh, no permission asked. And we had one of those family meetings, me and my wife. And it was like, you know, I think we need to settle in. doesn't mean I can't race and I can't do stuff local, but we got to make sure everyone's good in the family. And it was a conscious effort. I was physically fine, probably one of the peak conditions of my career, but I really needed to focus and, and find that time to make sure. And I actually literally made a promise to my wife that I wouldn't do it until she said she was okay with it. And she wasn't okay um, after 11. And um, it wasn't a bad race. I mean, I did pretty darn good. I didn't qualify in, in 11, but um, I, at the same time, I knew that it, there wasn't, we, we did not have a meeting of minds. Uh, I wouldn't say that it was a complete 180 degree turn, but it was a, a, a point where I was respecting. That I needed to make sure that, um, as I spoke previously, that I had the whole family involved before I would try it again. And then, you know, I really could have done 13 as a 50 year old, like when I went to St. George and podium there, um, but it still didn't feel right. And even though on paper, I, you should always try to qualify the first year of your eligibility, just like this year, I should, you know, on paper do an Ironman this year if I wanted to go to Kona next year because I'm only 54, 55 but it doesn't feel right right now. I don't want to do that. And that's exactly in 13. We weren't ready yet as a family for me to commit. And literally 14 felt great. And when, when 13 finished and we had, we went out to dinner and it was like, I really wanted to see if I could maybe do Arizona in 14 a year from now. Cause back then in 13, 14, the race would literally fill up in an hour, the day after the Ironman. And so I had to make a decision and we camped out all night and waited in line. Literally, that's how Arizona was back then. Um, and, sh- and my wife says, I think you should go for it. I think time's ready. Things have settled down. Things look great. And uh, I trained my butt off. And I think I was like maybe 20th out of the water in my age group out of 300 some guys in Arizona that 14th year. And I got off the bike and I, w- I looked at two of my buddies who were Kona veterans who were watching me on every app available. And they had told me previous, no matter what number we tell you you're off the bike, it doesn't matter because you can run like nobody else. And so I think I was either ninth or 11th. I, I don't know if I can confirm it right now. I think it was ninth off the bike. And then I ran to third. Um, uh, and I, I actually got into third place on that run by the first half marathon. And I did, we held our positions one, two, and three. We held our positions for the next half marathon and we never moved. And so it was the race of my life. And I, I cannot believe that I made it on the second year of my eligibility as a 51 year old, almost 52 and still made it to Kona. And there was four slots that year allotted to, um, to Arizona for my fifty-fifty-four. And one of the most happiest times and most satisfying moments ever was getting that plastic stupid <laughs> lay, you know, around my neck from, uh, Mike Riley, you know, so it was amazing.
1: So what was your Kona experience like?
2: Um, It was everything you would expect it to be and a little overwhelming. Um, It's like (laughs) Disneyland on steroids for, for triathletes. I mean, I arrived on my own. Uh, We, we, I consulted a lot of veteran Kona. I call them Kona boys. That's just my term, but there's girls too, that I ask. I can, I, you know, uh, Pedro Gomez is a pro. He lived in the Valley at the time and he, he just set me straight. Plus he likes to dabble in, in travel for triathletes. That's kind of one of his little hobbies. So um, he hooked me up and he started telling me where to stay and we wanted to rent a house in Kona. So we got all our logistics in place. Um, I went about three days. I went two days before the family arrived. So I arrived on a Tuesday and they arrived on a Thursday. And that was perfect because I was able to move into our house, get our rental car, get some of my stuff out of the way before the family arrived. And then um, a little stressful. It's really hot there. It's really humid. And even though I'm from Arizona, it's just different. And it's a little overwhelming, you know, there's just so much activity and I didn't want to miss anything. Um, So I was trying to participate in everything. And the only thing that they didn't warn me about was the bike drop off. Um, Everyone had warned me about everything, but it's almost a circus when you drop off your bike. There's cameras, there's there's photographers, there's pencils and paper, and they want to know you have to show your helmet. They have to look at your bike. They want to know what saddle you have, what pedals you have, what seat you have everything because they're taking all the statistics of the racers for all the sponsors and and you know uh, gordon is up on a big platform saying your name as you enter in a ballet walks you through things and so my my wife and oldest son dropped me off for packet drop off and bike drop off i was literally done in less than 20 minutes and they didn't come back for me till two hours so i was wandering the streets of kona the day before the race in uh, 90 degree heat and 90 degree humidity. Um, trying to find shade and, you know, so you make your mistakes. The race day, um, 15 was one of the hottest days in record for Ironman that year. And I fell apart on the, on the run a little bit. Um, I did finish. It was not, it's my worst Ironman finish time-wise, you know, just over 13 hours, but, and my first finish ever in the dark. So there were times that even pride sneaks in, (laughs) in, even (laughs) in Kona where I was walking in the dark. Yeah. Well, let me tell you about that. So I've never finished a, an Ironman in the dark. So they, this volunteer handed me a gold, gold glow stick, and I remember thinking, "I I don't." Yeah, I've never don't had a glow gold, stick. Gold, gold <laughs> stick. So I dropped it. I dropped it on the ground. You know what? As soon as I dropped the glow stick, I ran right into a, <laughs> an orange pylon in the dark. And so I thought, you know what, Dan? Here's a good opportunity to check your ego at the door. You're at the World Championships. Start running, but be careful, and you know, and realize it's not all about that. It's about. It's about the experience, and, and it was a great event. It was it was just everything I could expect it to be. I have a hard time remembering the finish. It was just so fast and furious, and all the lights and, and all of that. And I did see my family, and I recovered just fine, and then the rest of the trip was amazing. So I wouldn't trade it for the world, but I have to tell you, I, I, I want to go back. I don't have to go back, but I hope that I go back. I really want to go back a second time and experience it in a different way Maybe with just my wife, I don't know. But the boys can come again, but maybe they pay their own way this time if they're old enough. And uh um, but who knows? But I mean, I would like to go back. I it was such a great experience and and so I really look for I really I really am happy for those who get to go with legacy or lottery or qualifying or whatever, um, because it is something that is amazing. Well that sounds yeah, yeah I,
1: had, I had no idea about the bike drop off. That's kind of an interesting uh, insight into the
2: some of the crazy. That... It's a it's a circus. It's just crazy. I had no idea either. I, I, so I always that's my thing. So if someone's going to Kona for the first time and they ask me, I tell them be prepared for the circus. That is your bike drop off. It's it's the you know it's pretty crazy. Everything's crazy there, but you know it's just kind of fun. It's just very very fun.
1: Well, and you know the glow stick thing, the glow stick thing just Hard varies race. by the race. Some some races like uh, Florida. It gets dark like, I don't know, 10 or 11 hours into the race. So
2: unavoidable unless you're pretty darn fast. Well, if I tell people, yeah, well, uh, Coeur d'Alene doesn't have a full anymore. But I used to tell people if your goal is to finish in daylight, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho is your race because the sun doesn't go down. It's far north and it's
1: it's in June. June. Yeah.
2: Yep. But now they only have a half. Yeah. That's such a a beautiful
1: course, too, which is it's kind of a a bummer that that, that's gone away. Of course, you probably yeah, did the gone. old bike course with yep. the ten million twists and turns.
2: I did that one, and I I did two different bike courses. I did the one around Hayden Lake, and I did another one that was um out wow. all the way to Washington and back. So I did every year. I I only did it twice, but every year the bike course was both yeah. years the bike course was different. But the Hayden was Lake was a lot one of just tough, little twists turns,
1: up down. It was really technical, yep. actually.
2: It kind of was, yeah.
1: So how did you, how did you prepare for that? Do you uh, you know are you uh do you feel like you spend time working on the technical aspects of like biking, swimming, running, or you just kind of enjoy, the, enjoy the ride. Um,
2: yeah. You know, I kind of enjoy the ride. I mean, I, I, am not a, I'm not a, I'm not a, a, I'm not a technical geek. Um, I like the simpler things are the the more it makes sense to me. I, I do believe in power meters. I do believe in special skill technique and, and drills and swimming. And I do believe in, in hill work and track work for running. So um, whether I do all those things depends on how I feel and what I feel like doing. I'm actually right now, you're catching me at a self-coach time. I had, did not. Uh, my, my my coach that I had for three, four years that got me through Kona, he became a fireman. Um, and so he had to re, re, redo his career a little bit. And uh, when they reassigned me, I decided to drop off for that time because I already had done Kona. I was injured in my shoulder anyway. So I didn't see a real need to be coach. And I haven't revisited that um obviously a lot of people can say i mean what don't you know i mean you've been doing this for 30 years Uh, i don't i like coaches i think they're a great motivation i think it's also good for specific ironman training and certain uh race goals that you might have but once what did my my own thing my theme throughout this whole thing is it things have been flow right now i want to be competitive i want to be in the mix i want to be strong i want to be healthy i want to be smart um, and I think I can handle that right now by myself. I, would I be better if I had a coach right now? Maybe I think so, but it's also a budget thing. You know, what are my goals for visiting colleges for my son next year as he's a senior, you know, so you have to weigh all of those things and, um, or do you buy a new bike or do you, you know, things like that. So you have to weigh all these factors as an age grouper that everyone that's listening knows that you have to wrestle with every day and you know, you can't have it all today. So if it's a helmet this month, And for the next six months, if that's your only increase, or if it's race wheels next year, whatever it is, you just make your, or if it's a coach, you just make those uh, concessions. But I am a huge, huge advocate of quality versus quantity. I had one of my best marathons. I do the Rock and Roll Arizona Marathon every January since it ever started in 04. And I've done 15 years consecutive full marathons. I'm trying to see if I can get to 20 years consecutive without missing one. Who knows if I can But, you know, I'm still around that three hour range. I did a 314 this last one and felt really good without, you know, falling apart. And I I only I think my biggest running week was 40, 42 miles. And I remember doing 60 back when I tried to be sub three with a coach. So, I mean, you know, um, I got to be careful, you know, more isn't always better. So What is your
1: peak? What's your peak Ironman week look like?
2: Oh, boy. Um, I would say, yeah, so it's definitely 20-plus hours if I was training for an Ironman. Right now, the way my days are broken up is that I'm trying to get two workouts a day. If it's a non-race week, um, you'll find me recovering and lifting on Monday, and that's about it because it's following the long weekend ride and run. Uh, Tuesdays will be a combination of run-swim, not together, but morning and noon. Uh, Wednesdays would be lifting and riding and thursday would be a run swim again friday would be lifting and sleeping in because the weekend's coming and then long long biker run on saturday long biker run on sunday depending on my schedule
0: i wanted to ask you what's your so you're talking about your marathon times and such do you are you still improving on those times or do you think you've reached a peak and now you're just trying to maintain them
2: well, you know, something surprising, you know, I don't know, you know, you wonder at my age, am I, is, are my fastest days behind me? Now, Facebook is a very cruel thing because I used to be a lot more vocal in the, like around 2010, 2011, 2013, 12, 13 about posting workouts on Facebook. I, I don't do that anymore. I think it's annoying for me to do that. So I don't do it anymore, but when, you know, but they're, they're coming back on Facebook as memories and I'm looking and going, Oh my gosh. I ran that 13.1 miles workout with a buddy and we averaged 652. I Oh my gosh. And then I I get all discouraged because I don't think I really can do that today. Or I guess I could, but I'm not. And so it's like, it's kind of a reality check. Um, I don't know if I'm done being faster, but that's what I love about triathlon. I don't really care. I'm not trying to be, you know, Sebastian Keneley's in this race tomorrow. He's in town. So, you know, I'm like, I'm not going to be competing with Sebastian tomorrow, but I am curious how I can do against the 55 to 59, you know, that's all I really care about, you know? So once in a while I had a sprint race early this season, a pool swim sprint race. Yeah. we I was third overall, but so were the other, uh, the two guys ahead of me, one and two were, we were all in our fifties and we beat everybody, you know, at this local town race, you know? So you just never know. I, I wonder if my speed is, it's not gone. It's just all relative. I may have ran my fastest marathon and never may again um, be a sub three, but I think I'm on the edge right now. I think if I really focused on marathon running, which I'm not going to be doing, um, I probably could get close to three hours again because 3.14 felt really okay and it didn't hurt at all. So, I mean, that's pretty close. I mean, I know it sounds like 14 minutes, but when you have to just uh, make a couple of minor tweaks, maybe it's still there. I just don't don't necessarily want to hurt that part right now if you if you've done, if a sub three is your goal then go for it but i've already done that three times people ask me what about boston well i qualify for boston every year because i'm so dang old um but i don't go every year you know it's just a matter of deciding what your goals are
1: well i love your i love your focus on as we you know move through life that's just probably some of the best advice i've heard on here that that things come and go kids come and go focus on a job or marriage or other things right. can pull you and it, and it doesn't have to be like a constant uphill arrow you can you can come and go
2: right I don't yeah I get I don't think there was every year I mean my 32 years I'm pretty positive I can say without a doubt that there wasn't a year in this 32 that I didn't race somewhere it might have just been a pool swim trip tri- the year my oh gosh the first born when Andrew was born my first born in '92, that I was scared to death of that first child. You know, the second one, third, and you get you get a cannon in kind of the rhythm. No, That's I, easy for a guy to say, right? I can well, relate. I can relate. Oh, it's easy to have another one. Yeah. So I mean, but I mean, but that I know I didn't race much in '92. I promise you, I was so nervous about being a dad. You know, getting ready for him coming. I started a new job that year. We moved a that year to Arizona. So much happened in '92. I am so sure that I I did race that year, but it wasn't much. You know what I mean? So you have to you have to be adaptable. Because I actually think that's a trait that's actually transferable to race, race day, you know? All kinds of crazy yep, things can things happen. happen.
0: Yeah. For sure. So if you were to do it all over again, would you do anything differently? Oh, yeah.
2: Differently? Uh, I think I would have maybe tapped in. I, I I was able to coach cross country for my, my son's schools, uh, my son's school the last uh, decade. I, I, ta- I coached cross country for five years and loved it. I think I would have uh, loved someone who maybe would have. And I'm not blaming anyone but myself, but I think if I would have tapped into some of this endurance and and skill level at a young age, I think I would have even may, maybe uh, been a little bit more fearless a little bit earlier in my life. And maybe been um, no regrets, but I think it would have been great to to maybe tap into this and and love it earlier than I did. I That's that's not a regret. That's just a, an observation. I'm not done yet. I, I you know, I wonder um, I, I will be realistic to say, though, that I am excited about my 60s. Um, I don't, I see enough role models out there that are definitely killing it that don't look their age. Um, and I, I want to be one of those guys, whether I'm that fast or not, I don't know. We're on earth to try to push limits and, 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 and exceed the norms. And then the second thing, I think we're on this earth to embarrass (laughs) our children. So I hope to do both. I
1: was at a swim meet last weekend and I saw this older gentleman helping another older guy up on the blocks. I thought they were maybe even close to the same age. Oh. And it turned out that the older guy helping the guy on the blocks was 70 something. The guy on the blocks was his 95 year old dad. Whoa. And I just, Oh my gosh. That just floored Amazing. me. It was just such I just sat there and in, in awe and just thought that that is really, that's the goal. Be up here, getting on that yeah. start line yeah. and feeling yeah. that strong in your body, you know, at that age is, uh, that to me was like a, just a pinnacle of, achievement right there.
2: Definitely. Definitely. Um, there's one of our, in our local club, we have a father's son, the the son's my age and his father just did a sprint pool, swim triathlon here locally in Chandler, Arizona last weekend. And he's in his seventies, looks like a million bucks, um, just tregs along. And, uh, he's, I mean, I'm, he's my hero, you know, I just think it's amazing. Um, and his son is and his wife are are both triathletes and they're very supportive in their fifties, And look amazing themselves, and they've got great genes, and so you know, no regrets really. I I just think that you know, you you get the hand that's dealt you. You want to be safe. You don't want to be a jerk. You want to say thank you to the race, you know, volunteers. You want to thank the race directors. You want to, you know, you want to be the guy that's grateful for the gifts that have been given and the opportunities. When I look back to the places I've been and the races I've done and the people I've seen especially for being that kid that was afraid of his own shadow and didn't want to come out of the TV room to know that I have faced an ocean swim and said, I guess I can do this. You know, that's, that's pretty huge because that was not, that was not Danny, you know, back then, you know, um, and, and that's something that I don't take for granted. You know, social media is a very interesting thing and um, you, you guys know more than anybody just that from being kind of channeled and focused in that there's also people that really also maybe think this is a lot of bragging and a lot of, um, you know, um, I can't think of the word right now, but just really self-focused, you know. narcissistic. Yeah, right. And um, it's not, and I want, you know, for the record, I I want to say that um, I'm just trying to be, and I'm just trying to throw it out there to be transparent. I'm trying to throw it out there to be motivating and realize um, I'm part of a generation, the tail end of the baby boomers. And there's so many of us, you know, hitting our late 50s now that we can do so much and do so many things that that life isn't lim- is really limitless. So um, if I'm encouraging at all, it's not for the it's not the intent to toot my own horn. It's really just trying to say if, maybe if he yeah. can do it, I, I totally can
1: do it think too. that comes across in your pictures. Your smile is just mm-hmm. you always <laughs>
0: just look like you're just having the time of your life. Yeah, we love them. So just keep them coming. I will. Thank you guys. So where can everyone find you online?
2: Um, you can find me on social media. My, I'm really pretty much, um, focusing lately on Instagram. Um, you, you were great in your introduction. Uh, Trimandan, T-R-I-M-A-N-D-A-N, um, is, is my handle. Um, I'm on Twitter as well. I, I'm more, I'm more visual than, than verbal. Uh, so that's why I tend to forget about Twitter as much as I probably should. I made a promise to myself that I'm not, that I'm not there on social media to be political or to forth an agenda out at all. Um, But it's more about my lifestyle, my family and my training and my racing. And so that's really my focus there more than anywhere. So I'd love you to follow uh, as much as you can. Follow me and give me feedback. DM me as much as possible. I try to respond. You know, this is it's all relatives. I think one of the best quotes I ever heard about uh, social media was, you know, having uh, a lot of followers on social media is like having money and monopoly. It really doesn't mean a whole lot. All it means is that people are looking. So, you know, if, if, if I'd love to hear from you if if someone's interested and wants to learn more.
0: Before we wrap things up, are there any people you'd like to give a shout out to?
2: Oh, for sure. Um, Once again, uh, number one, it would be my family. So if they ever, if I can ever get my sons to listen to a podcast that I'm on, which would be a miracle of God, that'd be awesome. But if they end up doing that, I wanted to thank my wife, Christette, for uh, we'll be celebrating 28 years married this September. And so, we were very excited about that, and then our three my three sons Andrew, who's who's uh, 25, he ages up to 26. My <laughs> wife hates that. Should I always make them older than they are? Uh, Nathan, my middle son, 22 to be 23. That later in oh next month in May, and then my youngest son, my baby boy Matthew. I got a football player on my hands. Even though my wife and I aren't very large uh, at all, and I'm saying that for the record, she's very tiny. We have a six foot three, 245 pounder football wow. player, a 17 year old and so we're looking at college football he's an offensive lineman and Matthew is 17 he'll be 18 in in um september yeah september so um so those are my family the most important shout outs and i'd also like to recognize my club uh, one multisport they can be found at onemultisport.org it's a triathlon club based out of scottsdale arizona they've been my sponsored club for over 7 years 6 or 7 years now and then i'm very pleased to work with them um uh, I have sponsors. Oh, I'm going to forget people, but I have sponsors that have worked with me like Aquasphere, who provide me my wetsuit and some of my swimming gear, uh, Michael Phelps, which is part of Aquasphere. Um I'm also very pleased to work with Protein Water and I'm going to forget people, I'm so sorry. Um and M-Drive nutrient nutrition, those can all be found and maybe we can put some footnotes in the uh, in the um after show, but Everyone's been great. It's just I'm I'm so pleased uh for all the all the help I've gone through the years.
1: Fantastic. Well it's been so awesome to talk to you. I have really been looking forward to this.
2: Well, thank you guys for having me. I look forward to uh keeping in touch. And if you have any questions or any follow up, please let me know. Thank you for this podcast and for your for your social media guides. And the the, the videos and the, the posts have been fantastic. So everyone listening, make sure you follow humans of triathlon. This is an amazing, so amazing question. site. Thank you. All right. So our last question. Why do you try? I try because it makes me a better person. Simple as that. As simple as that. I I was just at a luncheon today before I went to my tri-clinic and a guy who was pretty close to my age looked at me kind of condescending and said, what's the point? What's the point? Why would you do that? And I was a little put off by it. I was like, because I can. You know, I didn't know what else to say. I mean, I literally felt he was almost angry that I was doing this race tomorrow. And it's not even that big a race. It's an Olympic distance. It is a big deal for a lot of people. But for me, I was like, okay, it's a trainer for St. George. But he was, you know, he was almost adamant. What's the point? And I was like, because I can, because it's enjoyable and because it makes me happy and it makes me healthy. What else do you need? What else is there if you can't do it for those reasons? You know,
0: absolutely. All right, there you have it, everyone. Another person, another amazing journey that eliminates all kinds of excuses for everyone else out there, especially the one of age. And I love everything he's about, so make sure to go check him out, um, Try mandan at Instagram. All right, Dan, it was a real pleasure having you on here. Thank you for taking the time to do this. Thank you guys very much. Definitely hope to see you carry on in the sport for many more years. Thank this you. Also a big thank you to everyone listening. It means a lot to us. And yeah, we just got our first few reviews in on iTunes for the podcast. So that's some exciting stuff for us. Uh, and wanted to give a shout out to the people who did so firstly, um, Matt from Matt, AKA the obsessed runner on Instagram. Thanks a ton for the review, Matt and a big congratulations on your sub three hour marathon at the Western city marathon just a couple of days ago. Uh, Matt, was aiming for a sub three hours and he went out there and got it and he actually just did his first Ironman which he crushed as well just a month ago. So amazing stuff Matt. Um, Congrats on both of them and thanks again for the review as well. And secondly a big thank you to Katie aka Infini Katie on Instagram for the iTunes review as well. Um, Really means a lot to us, really appreciate it. So thank you guys and yeah anyone else listening if you like what we're doing Please make sure to leave us a review on iTunes or wherever it is you're listening. And make sure to subscribe to not miss out on any other episodes that we're coming out with. And yeah, make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Strava. You can find us at Humans of Triathlon to stay tuned for amazing guests and episodes to come. Till next time, stay awesome and keep trying, everyone.